don't know me, like I said, my name is Samuel Warden, and I am one of the youth pastors here, and I'm so glad that you're here. Just look around the room. Aren't you glad people are here in a building to be the church body online? I'm so glad that you're here this morning, and if you've been here, have you enjoyed this series that we're in, Pray Like Jesus? We loved it so much that Rev did a similar series beforehand. We did one called As It Is, and we looked at the invitation of heaven on earth. And a shameless plug here, not just because I'm a youth pastor, but I believe God is doing something in Gen Z that no generation has ever had happen before. They not only love the presence of God, but they love the word of God. They love prayer, they love worship, they love silence and solitude. And so we have this thing called Reverb coming up, and it is a regional youth conference that um, our team runs, and a bunch of different vineyards come. So if you would, just be praying that there'd be wild encounters for Gen Z on February 17th through the 19th, okay? Just help us out with prayer. But I wanna ask you a question this morning. I wanna ask you this, and I want you to close your eyes for a moment and picture it. What would it look like if heaven broke into your home? What would it look like if the kingdom of God broke into your office, into your marriage, into your singleness, into every aspect of your life? What would that look like? You can open your eyes. I wanna give you a fair warning before we get into the message. I really like today's message, okay? I'm extremely passionate about what we're talking about today. Like so much so that it's been, this section of verses has been my life verse since I was 18 years old for 12 years. I've prayed this prayer for 12 years. In fact, it is so integrated that if we have that picture, it's actually a sign in our home when you walk in through the front door. In the warden home, as it is in heaven, we believe that this prayer is not just something we flippantly say, but it is something that we truly believe. At exactly 6, 10 p.m. every night, you'll hear one of my wife's many alarms. If you work with her, you hear an alarm all the time. But at exactly 6, 10 p.m. at night, an alarm goes off and we all pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So much so that my kids know that verse so I wanna give you a disclaimer. I'm passionate. I'm gonna get real excited. Are you gonna be with me? I know it's 9.15, but we got the Holy Ghost rolling through us. So we got energy, right? We got the Holy Spirit. Some of you know that I'm a little bit of a book nerd. Do I have any other book nerds in here? I'm a secret one though. Like I dress like this and read all the time. Like it, it doesn't work for most people, but I'm a nerd when it comes to books. I typically read four to five books a month. I just love reading. I love learning. And so what I did with this verse is, since I love learning, I wanted to look at what we say normally and look at the grander theology of this prayer. Like, what does this prayer do for us? Who is it to the whole nine? And so something that I heard growing up, I wanted to look at a little more in depth. Did anybody else hear the Lord's Prayer growing up? Anybody? Did? Great. My heart this morning is that in 26 minutes and 16 seconds remaining, that I would impart a passionate desire to pray this prayer daily. That you would wake up and want to say this prayer because you know the effectiveness of this prayer. So let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. We just behold you, Father, right now. 
Your name is so holy. Your kingdom is so powerful. Your will is so good because it could be on earth as it is in heaven today. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I heard this prayer a lot growing up. Um, I mainly heard it from my Nana grandma kind of a thing. Everyone's got these weird names now. It's grandma or Nana for me growing up. But Nana, I heard her say this all the time in her, what I like to call a prayer chair. Anybody know what a prayer chair is in here? It's kind of like a prayer closet, but like in your living room um, where everyone hears what you're praying. It's almost like a prayer evangelism is what I call it. I think she was consistently going like, God, get Sam saved. Like, and so I heard this and I was like, Nana, like, just the Bible says, take it into your, into your room, <laughs> take it quietly. But she's praying this out loud. And little did I know it was building a value system for this prayer. And so as I was growing up, I'd hear pastors and preachers and teachers talk about the Lord's prayer, but I never had courage to ask two questions. These two questions are this, if you're taking notes and I may not have a lot of great things to say, but these are some questions you might have. Number one was this, I did not have a context for the prayer. I didn't know who I was praying to, why I would be praying to him. The second thing was, I did not have an understanding of the weight and power of the prayer. What would it do? What was the purpose of the Lord's prayer? Would it actually affect me? Would it cause the areas of influence in my life to actually change? Or was it just something I said because it was a good thing to pray? So let's read this prayer that we've been talking about for the last few minutes. Matthew 26, if you don't have your Bibles, you can look to your screens. Also, I love Bibles, so just heads up, you should bring your word to class. Um, Matthew 6, 19 through 13, it says this. Pray then like this, Jesus talking to his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, there was a, a quote that Di said last week. If you were here and if you weren't, you should listen to the podcast. But she said, the Lord's Prayer is a format, not a formula. The Lord's Prayer is a format and not a formula. So can I give you the overall format real quick? Yes? It'll help you pray it, I promise. Number one is this. There's three sections with seven petitions. The word petition just means request or a formal asking, okay? So like when your kids, for me right now, it's like I tell my kids to go to bed and they formally petition, can I have a snack every 30 seconds? Um, this is what this is. It's a petition, a request saying, God, I want this. I desire this. So the first section is the address. To whom are we praying to? Leah covered this. And uh, two weeks ago, with our Father in heaven. This is an important piece. If you do not know he is Father, you will never approach him well. Our Father matters. For me, this became a reality when my father was sadly murdered at 14 years old. I didn't have a physical dad to run to, so I ran to a spiritual one. Our Father is so consistent in heaven, that we can run to him anytime we need to. Di covered this last week, petition number one in section two. So section one, the address. Section two is a petition, hallowed be your name. To me, this is the biggest deal, the biggest petition out of all of them. Holy, 
is your name. Di talked about last week that all of his characteristics are found in his name. He is so holy that he has many different names to just captivate who he is. This is important coming into what we're talking about today. We're talking about petition two and three. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The rest of it is section three, petitions four through seven, and it goes from your, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, your will to give us our. It goes from a vertical prayer to a horizontal area of influence of effect. It goes from here to here. And so when we talk about your kingdom, the second petition or the second request that we're making, it matters how we view the kingdom. It matters how we look at the kingdom because that will empower us in our everyday life. And so when I say kingdom, I want you to think this, the rule and reign of God. That simple. The rule and reign of God. How this looks is nothing missing, nothing broken. Sickness is healed. Pain is gone. He is our provider. He is our healer. He's our restorer. He's our great reward. This is what the kingdom looks like. Today, we're going to look at the kingdom in three ways. Are you with me still? Are we here? We're going to look at the kingdom in three ways. Number one is this. The kingdom has come. Before we can get into doing the work of the kingdom, we need the kingdom to reside within us. And so it took a man named Jesus who left a perfect heaven where the kingdom was fully lived out, fully in play, to come to an earth to die one of the worst, worst deaths in history. One of the most gruesome ways to die. Jesus was the flagship of the kingdom. The kingdom only exists on this earth because of Jesus and him alone. The only reason why we have the ability to be born again is because of Jesus. You can't earn it. You can't have a formula. You can't have a format. It is because of what Jesus did. Let's look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus clearly says what the kingdom is. It says, now after John was arrested, speaking of John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I think the kingdom of God is much closer than we give it credit for. I think the kingdom of God is literally at hand in your life. You might not see it, you might not feel it, but it is at hand. We were born with a sin nature, so the kingdom had to purge that out. So the king of kings came. The kingdom comes in you first before it goes through you to others around you. Why this is critical is because we need our nature to change so we, we go from um, a distant God to our Father. This was the purpose. The kingdom came so we could pray our father. The second thing is that the kingdom is coming. And this is happening through the sons and daughters of God, born again believers, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where we get to have fun. This is where we get to pray bold prayers. This is where we get to see healings leave. This is where Miracles, signs and wonders and words of knowledge and prophecies and discerning of spirits, all, the, all the, the manifestations of the spirit we get to see in our everyday life. 
This is actually, in my opinion, the hardest part of the kingdom. And you might be like, dude, you just talked about healings. It's gotta be great. Why it can be difficult or maybe cause some issues is because sometimes when we contend for healings, we don't always see them. Sometimes when we contend for a miracle, we don't always see them. Prime example is something that I'm personally walking through right now, literally today. I got up Friday morning, doing my little thing, brushing my teeth, little devotion time, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, the whole nine, and I start itching my hand, and I'm like, well, that's a weird itch. I'm like, okay, you know, get the anointing oil and slap it on it kind of a thing, like go crazy. And all of a sudden throughout Friday, I'm like, man, my chest is itching. And I'm like, I'm literally allergic to nothing except sin. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I'm literally like, nothing messes with me. I don't have allergies. I don't have any issues. So I go upstairs, take my shirt off, and I'm covered in hives from my chest down. I'm like, that's intriguing. And I'm like, okay, well, Holy Spirit, you know what we do. I'm gonna get myself a word of sight, not a word of knowledge. (laughs) This is a hive and it has to go. So I start praying. Absolutely nothing happens. I pray again. And if you know me, when things happen, sometimes in my mind, I'm like, God, why have you forsaken me? (laughs) Like, you know, dramatic. And so I'm sitting there, nothing happens. I go to bed Saturday morning. I'm like, this is literally what I thought in my head. I'm gonna wake up and it's all gonna be gone. I wake up and it's all even worse. (laughs) I'm like, okay, it's moved from here to my legs. And I'm like, okay, uh, Jesus, theology of suffering, I need it. That's another topic, but. I'm sitting there going like, okay, like, this is not fun. So then I go to bed last night going, oh, Satan, you're an idiot. I'm gonna have a wild healing testimony Sunday morning. (laughs) Guess what? It's all still there. Nothing changed. Nothing happened. I'm like, okay, Jesus, you're the healer. (laughs) Like, I need healing. And then it always reminds me of two things that I lean into when it feels like the kingdom is not being played out when I pray it. I lean into two things. Number one is this, that we're always in a battle. We're always in a battle. I think sometimes we think Jesus loses battles, but he's won the ultimate one, so you're always victorious. But we, we are in a battle. We have a real enemy named Satan who literally hates you. He doesn't just like not like you. Like He wants your life on earth to be as worse as possible. But we know Jesus came and defeated him. Now, this defeat wasn't like, I don't think it was a big fought-out battle. I think he got to hell, and Satan was like, we messed up. (laughs) He defeats it all. So Satan is defeated, but he's not departed. I've never had hives a day in my life. I've never had any sort of skin issue a day in my life. Friday was the first time that I was going to go over my message again. And then I ended up not doing that because I was itching the whole day. So I lean into that we're in a battle. And then for me, I lean into the first, the address and petition one of this prayer. My father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I lean into that he's a really good father and that in his name is healer, that in his name is provider. And I do not let what's going on in my life change that fact. I let hit like the reality of who he is change my earthly reality. So right now, I kind of itch a little. I'm not going to lie to you, but I don't care. 
Because the kingdom will be established forever. That's our third point. When Jesus comes the second time, and he is, we're not gonna get into eschatology, which means like, how is he coming? What's happening? All we know for sure is that he's coming. And when he does, his rule and reign will make Satan be departed. And when he comes, there's no more tears. There's no more hives. There's no more three-year-olds yelling at people. There's just, it's perfect. That happened this morning. We're not gonna bring it up. But when he comes, his kingdom will be fully established, which means when it says that we're seated with him in heavenly places, we will be ruling and reigning with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, okay? The kingdom sounds awesome. It's my favorite thing to do in life. It's what I've dedicated my life to do. But this is where petition three or request three goes from a beautiful prayer to a dangerous one. This is where we get really, really close to Jesus. Matthew 6, 10, let's just read it real quick. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This might be the most difficult part of the prayer to understand. This is how I used to read this prayer. Your will be done meant job occupation for my life. Should I make this decision or that decision? Am I in the will of God? Am I out of the will of God? Am I this? Am I that? And then I'd ask the question, well, is God's will good? So I think this part of the prayer is not going like, hey, you should be a plumber or you should be a doctor or you should be a stay-at-home mom or you should be a stay-at-home dad or you should be this. It's not dealing with that. It's dealing with Two words, God's will. And is God's will good? We've talked about him being a loving father that we can fully trust our life with. I beautifully talked about how holy his name is so we find everything we need in his name. We talked about the kingdom of God, that it is healing the sick, raising the dead, doing these things. Now we get to the will of God. We're gonna turn to Matthew 26, if you wanna flip there or scroll there. Context for this is between Matthew 6 and Matthew 26, Jesus is going about healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, and cleansing the leper. He is fully doing all of the kingdom work that we're called to do. He comes into a moment that's been prophesied about and he's been telling his disciples, I read it like he's been telling his boys, like, hey, listen, there's a time coming. And every time he says that, they're like, no way. And he's like, I'm God. Yes, it's gonna happen. Like, so he gets to this place in Matthew 26 where they have this last supper or, or this Passover supper and they're sharing all this food and Jesus says, hey, so one of you is gonna betray me. And uh, Judas is like, say what? He called me out. And Peter's like, never. Um, great story. So then this happens and he takes some of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. As he's approaching um, the garden, he says, hey guys, I need you to stay here and pray and watch. My soul is deeply troubled. Pause. Jesus, your soul is deeply troubled. He goes into the garden and he prays this. In verse 39, it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed saying, my father, don't you love he's modeling the Lord's prayer? If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you will. Comes back, the boys are asleep. He's like, hey, pray again. I'm gonna go pray. 
Goes back a second time, verse 42. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, this cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He does this one more time. Jesus prays this prayer, not my will, but your will be done. I think this is massive. I think Matthew is wanting us to see something that Jesus is not just praying a prayer without a purpose. He's showing us deep intimacy with the Father. He's showing us one of the most vulnerable prayers in all of the Bible. It's not a prayer of weakness, but of strength. You see, Jesus wasn't caught off guard by his purpose. In John chapter six, verse 38 and 40, this is what Jesus says. He says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but of the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. God's will was for Jesus to die so that you and I might live. I'm gonna say that again. God's will for Jesus was to die so that you and I might live. To reconcile all things to himself through Jesus Christ. To establish his kingdom on earth. See, the will of God sacrificed Jesus so you could be a part of the family of God. Which means you can know his will is good. Why? Because Leah talked about our father being good. Di talked about his name being holy. We know the will of God. It's that people would be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. So as a doctor, can you do that? Yes. As a plumber, could you do that? Absolutely. As a stay-at-home mom, you might need a little reinforcements if it's my children, but we can do that in every occupation, every area of our life and anything that we do. We can reconcile the lost to Jesus by lifting him up. To illustrate something that, that is gonna sound a little harsh, hear me, I love you. All formal complaints go to Leah Winger. Leah.winger at tbc.us. That's the best email you could send any complaint to. But sometimes when it comes to the will of God, um, we, we don't have as much trust as we should. Um, if you leave the story in the garden of Jesus there, it looks pretty bad. Um, except he was born to die so that he could be raised up. So in the garden, this might be where our preferences come to die. I know that sounds intense, but let me explain. There's a, a story that I want to tell you right now uh, of a time that... Um, well, that my wife had to lay down her preference <laughs> uh, for me because um, when I tell you this story, you'll, you'll look at her and say, thank God he's a redeemer. Anyway, um, so Kirsten, my wife, has been, is my dream girl. She's the girl exactly that I want. I'm so thankful she still is. But as we were getting to know each other, we were ordering steak one time and I order mine. And then out of her mouth, she says, I'll take this steak well done. 
I literally sat there and I was like, God, why have you forsaken me in this moment? Is, are you sure? She's it? You, you, brought, you sure? Then she asked for A1 steak sauce. I'm like, a good steak doesn't need any of that. Like, and so finally, after years of intercession, I'm kidding. Uh, after years, she finally eats her steak medium rare with no steak sauce. He's a good God. Come on. What's funny is that she now says it's the better way to eat the steak. I think sometimes uh, when we ask your will be done, our preferences tell, dictate how the Lord is supposed to do something. You might be used to beef jerky steak, but his way is always better. Saying your will be done requires a level of surrender and obedience that is only the, the only person I see ever model this fully is Jesus. And we're supposed to be like him. So when we pray your will be done, it's saying, God, I know that you are good. I trust your way, even though I don't understand in this moment, I trust you. You know, I don't wanna go on to the topics of conversation of certain preferences and things like that, but I do believe it's a word for the church body now. Is that when we see the kingdom and then we say, your will be done, certain things that we like, certain things that we prefer might just have to die in the garden. It's a really hard concept, but if Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, is in the garden sweating blood because of stress, knowing what his body was about to endure, goes, it's gonna be painful, dad, but I trust you. It's gonna be painful, but I trust you. We might find ourselves praying this prayer, your will be done as if we're just flipping a coin. Like, well, if it's your will to heal X, Y, and Z, who is sick, if it's your will to save this family member, I wanna fully confidently say it is absolutely his will to heal whoever is sick and to save whoever is lost. But we have to remember we are in a battle. The reason why he died and defeated death was that we always have a victory in the middle of contending for a battle. Like his will is to heal, his will is to save. We are in the middle of a battle. I think what happens is sometimes when we say, God, your will be done, our preferences get in the way and go, you have to heal them this way. You've got to save them this way. When I, your way probably sounds awesome, but his way might be more intimate. It might not be the way you say or the way you think, but this is why Jesus goes, not my will, but your will. Knowing he's a good father. Knowing that he's the healer. I think one of the ways that I, I used to say this, and I've heard people say this, and I wanna, I wanna bring you in, I'm not trying to push you, I want you to he hear my heart, is that we, we say, your will be done, Lord, as if we're like washing our hands of a situation. You didn't realize a youth pastor could get serious, did you? <laughs> when we actually say your will be done, we are already in the middle of a battle. 
because it comes right after your kingdom come. We're already in the midst of it. So it's not where we get to give up. It's where we get to lean in. It's where we lean into the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand. Your will be done. This is why this is a dangerous prayer. Is that as we begin to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we begin to see on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's name is perfectly holy. His rule and reign is not pushed back by anything. It's in full effect. There's no, heal, there's no uh, sickness. Everyone's healed. There's no tears of sorrow. There's no if, ands, or buts. He is king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is where he sits on a throne and nothing can move him. This is heaven. And so when we pray this, we're saying, God, would your name be perfectly holy on this earth? Would we see the effect of your holiness? Would we see the effect of your kingdom on earth? Would your will be fully done in all of creation? When we're inviting heaven to earth, we're inviting heaven's perspectives to be made holy in earthly realities. We're saying like, God, earth doesn't look like that, but you told me to pray like this so your will be done right here, right now. Do you remember that question I asked you? The first part, what would it look like for the kingdom to break into your home? Can we pull that question and put it to the forefront of our head? I want us to close our eyes for a moment. As soon as I said, what would it look like for X, Y, and Z to break in, the kingdom to break in, you thought of a situation. I dare you to begin to pray this prayer full of faith. I've got family members that I'm praying for. I've got friends I'm praying for. I've got Urbana High School that I'm praying for, Carl Hospital. This is where you can insert in the warden home as it is in heaven. In Carl Hospital as it is in heaven. In my marriage as it is in heaven. In my singleness as it is in heaven in my kid's life as it is in heaven. You can look up. This is a powerful prayer to me. It's changed my entire life. We have a privilege and an honor to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords whose perspective is higher than ours. Who can be high up yet so close. This is the advantage of praying this prayer. This is what I kind of just came to my mind as I literally just looked at Leah. But when I don't know if the will of God is good, I lean into the kingdom of God. And I see what Jesus did. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. When I'm questioning the kingdom, I lean into the holiness of who he is. His name is, he is healer, he is provider, he is redeemer, he is savior, he is deliverer. When I question that, I fall into the loving arms of the father and go, father, your will be done because I don't know. Would you guys stand if you're able and we're gonna say the Lord's Prayer. Are we alive? Are we okay? Good. As we say this prayer, I wanna challenge you to say it every day until next Sunday. 
And if things begin to shift in your life, I literally want you to either email me, come find me on Sunday, text me, whatever. I wanna know how this prayer is shaping your life. Is that okay for one week? So let's start together this morning. Are you ready? Here we go. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts. Look at you. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Now let's just close our eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, just put your hands out of your hands up. This was our Savior's prayer. This is our Lord's prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come and rest right now in a radical way? Unity in prayer, Father, is powerful. So right now, Lord, would you begin to heal bodies? Would you begin to heal hearts and minds? Lord, we love you. We honor you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.